So over the past 10 years, I've had occasion to represent both buyers, sellers, lenders, developers, um, anyone in the process uh, on the purchase and sale of properties. And I've learned things along the way because I'm essentially a disinterested party. I'm someone that's supposed to give legal advice and make sure that someone's protected, whether they're buying or whether they're selling or whether they're lending on a piece of property. But I'm not the one saying, yes, you should buy this or no, you shouldn't buy this. This blog post uh, that I want to talk about today really centers around the reasons not to buy a house. Because many of the things I see in the marketplace right now, be it from brokers, be it from other individuals, is people telling other people why it's so amazing to purchase a piece of property, a house, a condo, a co-op, whatever it is in New York. The problem is it's not always amazing. Prior to doing majority of my work in real estate, I was a bankruptcy attorney around 2007 and 2008. My practice focused on consumer bankruptcies. The individual that bought property in Florida that put the deposit down but couldn't get a mortgage to finish the purchase. The husband and wife that bought a place in Staten Island um, at a really low interest rate uh, just to see the rate reset seven years later. They couldn't afford it. They lost the property. So I've seen both ends of the spectrum. I've seen properties that go up in value and people make a ton of money. And I've seen people lose their shirts, their entire livelihoods based on the purchase of property itself. So I don't think it's as easy as saying, yeah, it's a good idea to buy property, or no, it's a really bad idea to buy a house or condo. What I can tell you is, over the course of these 10 years, there's about five reasons that I can tell you in a very sort of calculated, um, disinterested way that I think are not the right reasons to buy a piece of property. So here's five reasons not to buy a home. The number one reason that I see all the time is, Because you think you're throwing money away by renting. This is what everyone tells you. Um, If you're renting in a particular place and you're paying a landlord $3,000 a month or $4,000 a month in New York, you're just throwing that money away. I think that's completely inaccurate. Um, In fact, I don't think it makes much sense. Renting makes sense for a lot of individuals. And frankly, renting makes sense for a lot of individuals that I've seen purchase a home. And here's why. If you rent for $3,000 or $4,000 a month, then you just rent for $3,000 or $4,000 a month. You know what your monthly nut is going to be for your housing. If something goes wrong, if the ceiling starts leaking, if the fridge breaks, if the cable doesn't work, whatever it is, you can go to the landlord and say, hey, I need you to fix this. And by law, in most circumstances, the landlord is required to fix these things, specifically if your heat doesn't work or your hot water doesn't work. That's not the case when you buy a piece of property. When you buy a piece of property and let's say your mortgage is $4,000, that's just the start of it. On top of the mortgage, you're going to be paying taxes, property taxes that you pay on any piece of property that you buy in New York. You're also going to be paying common charges. Or if you live in the co-op, you're going to be paying the maintenance on that particular piece of property. So those payments come in addition to the actual mortgage that you'll be paying. Now, if something goes wrong, let's say you buy a house on Long Island and your mortgage payment is $4,000 a month, if something goes wrong with a boiler, you're now spending $20,000 or $15,000 to fix a boiler. If something's wrong with the foundation of the property itself, then you're spending that much more. Essentially, you don't know what you're going to spend on a monthly basis. And yes, you can budget these things and try and put money aside, 
But the problem is you'll never actually know what it is that you have to put aside. The roof can have issues. The plumbing can have significant issues. You don't face these things as a renter. The renter, you have flexibility. Yes, that $4,000 isn't going towards paying down your mortgage, but frankly, in the first six or seven or eight years of a typical mortgage, you're not paying down any principal whatsoever. In fact, if you get a 30-year mortgage, most of those payments that you're going to be making for the first six or seven or eight years are going to be going towards the interest itself. So you're not paying down any or really making any equity in the property itself. You're just hoping that the property increases in value. And you're hoping it increases in value to a much larger extent um, than anything else because that's the only way you'd really make money if you actually sold. The other thing to point out in this situation is crucial. That $4,000 that you pay a month, in our example, to rent a piece of property gives you whatever is left over to do with however you like. So in other words, let's say I make X number of dollars a month and I come home with $10,000, right? $10,000 is my net pay at the end of the month. $4,000 goes to my rent. I know that I have $6,000 left over to spend on whatever it is that I want. With buying a property, that $4,000, as we just discussed, is just the tip of the iceberg. Now I have to pay taxes. Now I have to pay common charges if I live in the condo or maintenance if I'm in the co-op. Now I have to budget some money away from repairs. I can't use that extra money that I could as a renter to invest in something. And on top of that, you don't know what that money could have made. In other words, the down payment could have made on the market itself. So just going back for a second, let's say I'm buying a piece of property for $900,000. Well, in New York, you're typically putting 20% down as cash and financing the rest of it. So at $900,000, I have to come out of pocket a minimum of $180,000 in cash to be able to purchase the price. That's not to say, that's not even taking into account closing costs that are involved in the purchase itself, which can run upwards of $30,000 or $20,000 um, that you'll never be able to get back. So at that level, I'm $200,000 in, right? That's a big problem because if I'm renting, I can use the $200,000 to do whatever I want. I can invest it in the stock market. I can keep it aside as a cash cushion. I can start a new business if I want to. I can put it in my kid's 529 fund. There's a number of things I can do. Again, I have flexibility. So yes, the $200,000 in the purchase does build equity, but it's not liquid. You can't touch it. If you're having financial issues, you're likely not going to be able to refinance right away and pull any money out because of the sheer amount of equity that you have in the property itself. It's really important that you realize that putting $200,000 into a piece of property doesn't necessarily mean that things are great. It means that you have $200,000 less of cash to do with as you see fit on a monthly basis. That's critical to understand. For some people, that's irrelevant, right? For some people, they have more than enough on a monthly basis and they don't need the $200,000 and they'd rather invest it in the house. That's fine. But you have to take these things into account because it's not as simple as saying, well, I could either pay myself $4,000 in the form of purchasing a home or I can pay someone else $4,000. That's not the right calculation, and it's not the calculation you should make. Reason number two, because you think a house is an investment that will go up in value. That reason is total BS. So we live in New York, and New York is a really sort of outlier state where in the past, let's say, 10 years, we've seen property values skyrocket. And yes, it's been a great time. 
But what happened in the past doesn't necessarily mean the same thing is going to happen in the future. In fact, if you look at history, history tells you that investing in a house because you think it's going to go up in value is one of the worst reasons ever to invest in a house. Houses sometimes don't even keep up with inflation. So if you're investing in a piece of property because you think you know, this year it's worth 600000 and next year it's going to be worth 700000 that may be because it happened before. But that by itself is faulty logic. It doesn't mean a year from now or two years from now or three years from now that the property values will go up at that clip or they'll go up at all. And you also have to think about, again, the amount of money that you put down on the way in and the amount of money that's coming out on the way out. If you sell that piece of property, you're going to have to pay 6% to a broker. You're going to have to pay transfer taxes. You're going to have to pay a litany of things that are going to come out of pocket. You have to take these things into account when discussing it. It's not as simple as saying, well, I bought the place for 600000 and you know, 10 years later, I'm selling it for 900000 I made $300,000. No, you didn't. During that period of time, you used a specific amount of money to pay down interest, your monthly payment that went in every single month. You have to see that as amounts that you've actually invested in the property itself, but money that's out of pocket. You also have to think about your closing costs, as I just mentioned, on the way in, and your closing costs on the way out. How much did that cost you out of pocket? In addition, how much did you pay in taxes? How much did you pay in upkeep? How much did you pay in repairs? How much did you pay for furniture for maybe a piece of property that's much bigger than you actually needed? All of these things have to be taken into account when you make a financial decision as to whether or not it makes sense to buy. And if you're solely buying because you think it's going to go up in value, well, I can point you to 2006 and 2007, and frankly, 2012 during Hurricane Sandy, when people had properties that were in the Rockaways and Breezy Point, and they couldn't sell them afterwards. They were essentially valueless. No one knew what to do with them. Uh, No one knew how much to sell them for, and no banks knew how much they could finance on the property itself. This isn't risk-free. In fact, it's one of the riskiest things you could possibly do. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying you have to take these things into account when you consider whether or not you should buy. Reason number three not to buy a house. If you believe you'll be there for seven years or less. This is based on what I just discussed in the previous two reasons. So first, if you're there for seven years or less, again, most of the payments that you're making are going towards interest. You're not building a tremendous amount of equity in the property itself. You're not paying down the mortgage. That makes a difference because when you sell, you're going to sell for a particular number and you're going to really come out way less ahead than if you would have held the property for 10 or 15 years or 20 years down the line where you pay down the considerable amount of the mortgage principal itself. In addition, as I just mentioned, you have closing costs on the way in and you have closing costs on the way out. Let's say you're one of those that buys a new construction condo in New York City. And you want to buy it for, let's say, $1.1 million. So typically in new construction condos, you're responsible for paying the sponsor's transfer taxes. The transfer taxes can be about 1.5% of the purchase price right there. In addition to the title charges that you'll be paying on your own end. You'll also be paying a large mortgage tax if you get a mortgage for the property itself. And you're likely going to be paying the sponsor's attorney's fees in addition to your own attorney's fees. Plus, you're going to be paying mansion tax, which is 1% of the the, the purchase price itself. When you combine these things, you have a huge out-of-pocket bill. In addition to, let's say, the $200,000 or $300,000 you're going to be putting down as cash into the property itself. Now, on the way out, as I mentioned, you're going to be paying close to $50,000 to $60,000 to a broker to sell the property itself. 
And again, you're going to be paying significant amounts of taxes uh, and other title charges that, that come with this. So you're going to be paying a lot of money out of pocket. If you do this over the course of five years or four years, you're not going to make all that much when you take into account the fact that you're paying interest and you're paying common charges and you're paying a bunch of other things on a monthly basis. If you're holding it for more than seven years, the chances of you making money are substantially larger. And again, you have to think of it in a different mindset. You shouldn't be thinking, well, I'm going to hold this for less than seven years and the market's going to go up tremendously because it has before, because that logic, as we just discussed, is faulty. What if it doesn't? What if you're stuck? What if you got a 7-1 mortgage, essentially that you're paying interest only for seven years, thinking that you'll obviously sell the place in seven years, and you can't sell it seven years later? Because let's say the market took a dip, or the market's exactly where it was, and you have to take a haircut on the price. These are things to keep in mind, and in my experience, those that have held for seven years or less, in many situations, have done not as well as those have, that have held a house as a long-term play. Again, it's difficult to think of it as an investment because it's not an investment. It's a place to live. 2006, 2007, 2008 should have, should have taught us that. And it's tough to see that right now because, again, the property values have gone up so considerably, but it's important to. Reason number four, because everyone is telling you to do it. I'm not going to spend too much time in this reason, but if you turn on the TV, if you watch HGTV, if you watch any of these other shows about house flippers, or renters, or anywhere else, if you talk to your neighbors, if you talk to people, they're going to tell you how amazing it is to purchase a piece of property. They'll tell you that buying a condo was a great thing that they did that they have stability, that they have a great place that they love. That may be, but you're likely also not talking to people that purchased properties and lost all their monies doing so. You're likely not talking to people that purchased a piece of property and had to put $100,000 into renovations when they thought they were only going to have to pay $30,000 for renovations. It's really important to keep a level head when you do this. People will tell you to do these things because they've had a good experience or they actually think that they've had good experiences because they haven't calculated all of the costs that come with it. You have to make a decision for yourself. Talk to your financial planner. Talk to your accountant. Talk to people who haven't had great experiences buying and selling properties and then make an informed decision. Just because you see people on TV making hundreds of thousands of dollars doesn't mean they're actually making hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, flipping these properties. There aren't many TV shows about people that have lost all of their money doing this stuff, so keep that in mind. The last reason, reason number five, not to buy a house, because rates are at historic lows. So there's an industry behind this. Mortgage brokers, real estate agents, even our tax code essentially pushes us to buy property. I think that's completely and horribly wrong, but there's nothing I can really do about it. What I can tell you is if a mortgage broker or if someone else is telling you that now's a great time to buy, realize that they've never said now is not a great time to buy. They always say it's a great time to buy. And their reason for this is that money is cheap now. Interest rates right now are around 4%. They were around 3.3% prior to uh, Trump being elected as president. But that's really an idiotic reason to buy a house. It really is. If mortgage rates increase... That means the prices on these properties likely decrease. So if you're in a situation where mortgage rates are at 5% or 5.5%, what you'll likely see is price pressure coming from the top. People won't be able to get 800000 900000 $1.5 million for their properties because borrowers won't be able to borrow as much, which means the price comes down. So if you're doing it based on the fact that you think money is cheap, don't do that. 
you're going to put yourself in debt to the tune of $600,000 or $800,000 because you think it's a good opportunity to capture historic low rates when in fact the market doesn't move in that way. So these are five reasons not to buy a house. I'm eager to hear your comments, your questions on this. And frankly, I just want to put this blog post in because there's so much noise out there about the benefits to buying a property that I think no one really does a good job and frankly does a disservice to people by not publishing the reasons to not buy a piece of property.